Welcome to A Therapist Tales, a podcast where Jacqueline Sabodi works to normalize conversations about mental health. A Therapist Tales. I'm Jacqueline Sabodi, and joining me today is Samantha Jean. Samantha is a narrative form trauma care coach in training, a mom, a fitness enthusiast, creative social educator, and Air Force vet. She has a bachelor's degree in criminology and psychology and uses her life experiences and training in all those areas to help survivors of narcissistic abuse heal through their story mend the broken relationships they have with themselves and thrive as they rediscover how amazing they truly are. It's quite an intro. It's very impressive. And also thank you for your service. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, A little bit about our backstory. Samantha and I actually met on Instagram. I came across her social media page at Mend with Sam and was really inspired by her work and her approach to understanding the narcissistic personality. Um, So thank you for joining me today, and I'm really excited about this podcast, and I know it's going to be really valuable for our listeners. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be doing this. Um, I'm so glad you reached out, because I remember telling you, I'm like, hey, I'm not a therapist. You're like, that's okay. That's okay. I am one. (laughs) So like just having, being able to have the conversation and not feel, you know, like worried about, you know, the clinical terminology and all that, like you made me feel, you know welcome then appreciated. So I appreciate that. And thank you for having me again. Yeah. And, you know, truly the experiences and the stories of those that have gone through things are the experts, right? Like there's no amount of training that makes, you know, a clinician more knowledgeable than an individual who's gone through it. And there's a lot of um, humility of being a clinician and being able to have someone that shares, you know, and what they've gone through. Um, And also, I just love your post. So I hope everyone who's listening goes on her page at Mend with Sam um, and checks out um, her work. Hey, thank you. Yes. Um, so let's jump in. We'll kind of um, just go through the talking points. Um, if you're comfortable, I know this might be a bit vulnerable for you, um, yeah. but would you uh, sh- be comfortable to share a little bit with our listeners in terms of what inspired you to start your work and your Instagram page? Yes. Yeah, so um, um Pretty much last year around the murder of George Floyd, I, okay, first of all, I'm going to preface this. We had just moved into our neighborhood. I think we're like almost a year in our neighborhood. Our neighborhood is predominantly white. And so I had already, you know, you know, when I was scouting this area, I had already felt unwelcomed. Mm -hmm. It's the stairs and the, you know, what are you doing here? And I'm looking at them like, what are you doing here? Cause I'm doing the same thing you're doing type of thing, but never anybody saying anything. And you can just feel the mic. At least I did. I just felt the microaggression, but, um, I, you know, we had to move here because of the military. So we were here for, we're staying, you know, I'm in like the St. Augustine area. Jacksonville is more, I guess people know that area better, but, um, we're like about almost a year living here and um I had noticed that some of the neighbors that I was hanging out with were like they would say things that were really making me uncomfortable and I had figured out how to use my voice around that time and you know stand up for myself in a way where I'm like you know 
I want to question this because I don't want to jump into conclusions and think that this is what's going on. So I would speak up and say, hey, you know, you said this and I was wondering why you said that. And it would be like, you know, um, things about me being aggressive because I and I showed no signs of aggression. And I think it was more of an assertive personality that I've portrayed at that time mm -hmm. to where it wasn't um, accepted or mm -hmm. appreciated. The and so the boundaries yeah yeah like right no, i was doing all of that i didn't even like i didn't even know that 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 language i didn't recognize that language at the time i just knew that i was tired of certain things and i was like you know what i'm going to speak up for myself yeah. so when i did do that it was met with a lot of angst a lot of you know backlash and a lot of just denial and re rejecting everything without even you know there's no attunement there's no sympathy here it's just you're you're that's not true you know your feelings are not valid and what are you doing up here yeah so mm -hmm. after the murder of george floyd i spoke uh, about it um publicly on my facebook page saying that you know i feel there's a prejudice against me in my um in my uh i think i said in my neighborhood or my cul-de-sac i think i said cul-de-sac i didn't name anybody's names or anything like that um but what what happened was now a public display of the same thing that I experienced on a personal level with these people. So it was like, you know, how dare you? I'm, you know, I, how could I be racist when I never said anything about anybody being racist and just all kinds of nonsense that was really starting to frustrate me. So instead of me like cowering as I would normally do, mm -hmm. I decided that I would now share this on the group community page. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, what was I thinking? I was like, if I'm feeling this, then there's got to be other, yeah. And there are like maybe specks of Indian people that live here. There are other brown people. I, 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 we, I barely see them. I, I, I'm sure there's other people that look, you know, black people that live in my neighborhood, but I barely see them out. So I'm like, but I know they're there. I, I and also them. Florida in general is such a melting pot of, of all different cultures and ethnicities. Yeah. Right? There's people from Cuba, there's people from DR, like it's- Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, especially in South Florida. North Florida, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, uh, it's not It's not as um, populated with that, which it's just certain areas you'll find like the populace of, you know, the Hispanic culture, which is great, but it's like they find, I guess they find their their areas and then they stay there. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so after I brought, you know, brought down and I've had people that are like, how dare you, you're ruining our neighborhood and blah, 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 blah. And, and then there's others that are reaching out to me personally saying, Hey, you know, I thank you for saying this because I did experience this. And I mean, things, even experiences they had were wilder than mine. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't realize that this was happening. So, um, after having a, trying to have a conversation with my neighbors, um, mm -hmm. it didn't work out. Um, and I just had a feeling where I was like, why am I looking for, like, I know this happened. I know that this happened. Why do I feel like I have to question myself? Why do I feel like this is like, why do I not feel like it's actually happening? So you had a feeling, right? Like, I had a feeling. And, and isn't that the most important thing? Like, and isn't that part of like what a narcissist does makes you question your truth. Right. And that's like such Absolutely. a successful, a successful thing that a narcissist can do is yeah. make out what you know to be true. Right. And feeling. Yeah. It, it was, it was, a, and it's, I think this is, that was the first time that I actually 
really sat there and thought about it because mm-hmm. feeling didn't go away. I was in the situation with my um, husband, soon to be ex, and he was in the middle of it. And I, I felt like I was by myself in the situation and it made it even worse. That feeling is like, oh my gosh, like I feel alone in this whole scenario. But for some reason, there's a strong, strong feeling that I like it. I'm not wrong. <laughs> you know, in the past, I would just be like, okay, maybe some, maybe I missed something. And for the first time, I think this is the longest I've ever like literally stood firm in what I believe to be true. And that's what, you know, sparked the idea of like looking more into why I might like my feelings. And, and that's when I learned about gaslighting. That's when I learned about people pleasing and like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I guess maybe I paid attention in psychology classes, but now like all the stuff was coming back and I was like, wait a minute. It's all making sense differently when it's, it's personal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And it just, I was like, okay, I'm not the only one dealing with this. I know I'm oh, going to more. I'm going to start looking into this more. And mm-hmm. I threw perfectionism out the window and just did my best to yes. start sharing my experiences. And it just started blowing up and, and people, and it resonated with people. You said, yeah. you said, um, two quick little twiddles about my mind I was like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. People yeah. who are like more highly sensitive or more empathic or people pleasing can be, um, can be the ones that are kind of like, like prey for a narcissist, you know, move a better world. There's almost like a magnet, right? And so the one that, you know, the narcissist is kind of attaching to may not always understand or see those warning signs. Right. Yeah. 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 And I didn't, and, you know, realizing that I was a people pleaser and that I I did attract that type of personality, you know, it started making me hypervigilant right more cautious and more thoughtful let in yeah yeah. and um I didn't realize how much I was you know like I was in that state which I at first I used to think people pleasing was such a bad thing and and I think it's only a bad thing when you're in the in in you're surrounded by people who just want to take advantage of that but I think there's a good side of people pleasing where you can please those that really like you know deserve and you're yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely. And Um, I think you bring up a good point too, because like, it's like, right. Like we can't change the behavior of a narcissist, but we have the power to adjust and look at our contribution to an unhealthy dynamic in relationships. Yes. Right. Where you're kind of saying like, as a people pleaser, it's like, do those things in the relationships that are safe. Um, and then the ones that aren't don't be right. Right. Absolutely. And, and actually I had to go back into like my, more of my childhood and mm-hmm. see where I like got, you know, like, how did I get here totally. in this situation? And it, it all made sense. You know, all the behaviors that I experienced and up until like, even in my, in my um, current situation were because, you know, it was familiar, those behaviors, those behaviors, um, even by my neighbors, those behaviors, like, they were familiar. And I thought, you know, I'm like, Hey, I can handle this. You know, I've seen this before. This is normal to me. This is my norm. And in, until I realized it, it, it wasn't because of how it made me feel. And, and that was actually like the first time that I listened to my gut, which was something that you don't do as a people pleaser. You're, you're not, you know, you don't, you hear 
like, ah, oh, maybe that's not a good idea. But you're right. so focused on the other person and pleasing them because you've now been trained how to do that. Yes. You're entirely on them. So and I think you bring up so many good points. Like so many, so many of us have been raised in environments where, you know, the people pleasing aspect of our personality is really rewarded. Right. And so yeah. it comes conditioned and part of our identity right. um, can really grow to become um, just out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, like you were saying about, you know, trusting your gut and learning to really tune into, you know, just that internal cure and the internal compass. It's like you stop abandoning yourself every time you say yes. Right. And every time you say no. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, saying no was, was, was very hard for me. And that's something I learned in this, this whole, you know, venture. Yeah. Yeah. I I love no. It's like my favorite. I probably should wear a shirt that says it every day because it's my favorite word. Yeah. And also just like kind of the process of like using that word, sitting with the discomfort and then Mm -hmm the more you exercise that muscle and create that neural pathway, the more comfortable it becomes. Absolutely. I remember listening to a podcast, um, to your podcast. I can't remember who was on, but you guys talked about emotional agility. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that. That is it. And I love agility because I'm, I like play a lot of sports and I'm like, it connected. It It connected. It was great. Oh yeah. Yeah, it took a lot of work and it took a lot of like, you know, hey, you know, why are you feeling this way? What should you do about this? Why does this no feel uncomfortable? But what is the benefit of saying no? Mm-hmm. How will it make you feel? And uh, the answer was always made me feel like, okay, I'm making the right choice here. I'm making the right choice. You were, there was a process of returning to yourself. Yeah. 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 And I think that's part of the biggest thing for those recovering from narcissistic abuse. Definitely. Um, And also like how much a no, like infuriates a narcissist. (laughs) You are not lying about that. Um, Yeah. That's like, it's, it's the power struggle. It's, it has to be their idea. It has to be their, yeah. It initiates, originates. Right. And also, like you're just a puppet around them. Like you, you, you want the narcissist wants you to make them look good, but don't be better than them. Right. It's all about the control. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Big deep breaths. My one um, (laughs) therapist friend, Malia, she's all about deep breaths. I'm like, this topic needs lots of deep breaths. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. How about some of these, like, like, more well-known themes and words that we hear about the narcissist, um, like sense of self-importance, um, grandiosity, admiration, sense of entitlement, like what's really behind those themes of, of a narcissist? Like, why do, why do we think they are? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the, it's insecurity, um, yeah, they're very much insecure. And so they're masking the insecurity with this personality that they've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like with the grandiose, they're, you know, the attention seekers. I mean, I could, as soon as I hear the word grandiose, I automatically think narcissist. And then my mind plays some, like, you know, I think of the Wolf of Wall Street. I think of, you know, like my mind immediately finds some character in a movie where I can pinpoint an individual that, yeah. you know, in, 
is like textbook, you know, narcissist that attention seeking power hungry, you know, those are the people that feel they, they're, they feel entitled, but it's all this deep rooted feeling of like, they're not good enough. So they're going to find a way to, you know, and, and it's a, it's a nest, um, they need that. They need other people to tell them they need other people to praise them because they don't have that deep rooted sense of self within themselves and healthy one within themselves. And there's also like the vulnerable, which is the one that I focus on a lot because of the experiences that I've had. Um, and it's also considered, it's a vulnerable and covert, like the words are, are you know, interchanged, but it's again, the inflated sense of self, but it's overcompensated with low self-esteem. Like they overcompensate the low self-esteem. Um, so it looks like this person is emotionally sensitive. And they come off as like the shy type or, and, and they don't like rejection or criticism of any sort. I mean, like they have a physical response to any of that rejection. And I've seen it firsthand where, you know, if somebody says, you know, I don't really like your leadership style. And I've seen somebody just like, I mean, they, that's all this person thought about because of these words and it was never to seek why and maybe even come to an understanding it was like immediate shutdown the and this you know just a rotation of that sound in their heads and they just they're done <laughs> they can't they can't cope with it do they you can't. think also that it's almost like a well it doesn't matter like how much um like praise or um importance they have it, it like our admiration it's like it'll never be enough yeah yeah it'll never be enough it'll never be enough because there's a there's a hole it, it, there it, you know doesn't close so mm -hmm. they need they need that that constant mm -hmm. you know validation constant and and if they don't get it from one person they're going to go somewhere else to get it and that's the thing they always find it they know because they know how to find it they they've it's That's I feel like a blueprint that they have, you know, it's because of the, the function, they're all the same, but it's like the, it's, it's hard to, it, I feel, I actually feel bad, you know, there's parts of me that feel bad um, because it's like, you're like, but there's help for this. And, yeah. you know, you actually, I, I agree. And then I know we're going to talk about it in a, mm -hmm. Yeah, and if a little bit um, further down the question, just that like the narcissist actually is a deeply wounded person. And right. Yeah, the, the ones which I orient from as a therapist, as a trauma therapist, is that all personalities originate back to some early childhood trauma. So to your point, like, and it is good to have compassion because truly the compassion is for us also, right? Like it's right. so much more exhausting to carry around like the hate and like the turmoil and the confusion. Where if it's like, I can just distance with love and also like accept that that person is hurting and wounded and unwell. Like, absolutely. But I will not allow it in my vortex. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, managing your space is yeah. very important when you're dealing with that, that mindset and that personality because at, there is never a normal day. It's never, it's, there's, they don't understand that. They don't understand what, what is healthy and normal that, that that's foreign to them. And you're going to continually get wounded no matter, there's no negotiating, there's none of that. 
So, you know, that person, that wounded animal needs treatment. Right. Right. You're not going to be able to do it for them. And I like, as a clinician, it's like, and personality disorders are really, they're, they're, they're tricky. They're tricky. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Um, how about like, again, like some of these, like more like words we hear a lot and it's like, well, what does that mean? Like gaslighting, um, the use of intimidation and manipulation, um, and like any examples, I think gas, like what does gaslighting mean? What would be an example of that? Yeah. Yeah. So like gaslighting is pretty much where like a person or a group of people make you question your reality. Hmm. So, and it's interesting. Um, I, I watched a, a video, it was on YouTube. It, it won an award for like the best short film or something, but it was, I think it was called the reality, but it talks about gaslighting. Um, and it, examples of it are like, you know, when you, someone pretends they forgot that something happened. Infuriating. <laughs> you're, you're there, you witnessed it. You, you know, there's other people and, and it's just like, wait wait what? right and it it boils my blood because I I used to experience this and I didn't realize I was experiencing this. I would always assume that I was wrong or I would like I was almost contending with my belief and what they were saying even though like my belief was really trying to win because it wasn't like and, and sometimes it's presented as being right or wrong too it's like the narcissist will say because it turns into a competition thing. It's like, well, I, you know, I was there too. And it, there's two sides to every story. Um, and and the, the, the thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you know, you're trying to be reasonable. And you're like, okay, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I didn't see that. And, it, and it's a cycle. It's a cyclical thing. And, and they, it's consistent. The gaslighting never stops. The circle conversations. That's the very- whole conversations that can go on for hours and and then they try and throw you off your like your heels so you forget right. we, we like what are we even talking about what are you even talking about yeah so you never know what the conversation why where the conversation started and then you know at, at, after that you're like maybe it was it was like the the conversation was pointless to begin with and it actually wasn't it was something that you know like you know it's these little small things that end up turning into a big thing but you never get to the root of that because you're always being distracted by the gaslighting so you never get to the root of the issue and which in turn like what's crazy is because it's going to come back that issue is going to come back and it's going to sound like you're nagging to the person that never ever ever is held accountable is never wrong they're never wrong they're never wrong. And the conversation, as they're gaslighting you, they always make you feel like you're trying to be right when what you're really doing is sharing a fact. So the thing is too, is like, right, individuals will, so I think sometimes individuals are able to be like, yeah, like something's off in my relationship. This is how, right? Like you kind of know, right? There's, there's a sense of knowing at a certain point. Right. But then people stay. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, again, there's like this intersection between like codependency or you were raised in an, uh, an environment or, or family of origin where this was normal. And so you think that, you know, love, that this is what love is. Right. Yeah. You think, you know, 
because I've seen this before, you know, this is how my mom or my dad raised me. You know, they, they, they said they loved me after they did these things. Right. So I think that the, and this person is doing this thing. So yeah, they love me. And also you, you might, you know, you're thinking that other person, there's a wound there that you might not pinpoint. So you're, you're wanting to help. You want to fix. And you're like, oh, I see the pain in them. I see that they're struggling with something. Right. You probably bonded with in the beginning with traumatic stories right. and know their history. And so you're like, you know what? Like they just, they need, like we need each other. Right. You know, if I'm a people pleaser, I am trying to help fix this person. I'm right. focused on them. And then they see me as the supply that's focusing on them, right. you know? Now, and so there's nothing getting fixed now. There's absolutely nothing getting fixed. But that, as dysfunctional as ever. Yeah, exactly. But that relationship, that that's, I mean, I know that's why I stayed for as there, long as I. There's part of a bond. There's uh, a, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say something. Oh, you know, and, and people with personality disorders, they're not all bad. Like you can, you can, like they can be the best they can be the best and and it, and it's not like this is a part of them this is only a part of them that comes out at certain mm-hmm. times it's not a hundred percent of the time they're I mean for most people like not like always a raging narcissist you know they're right. more enjoyable and very lovable it's more about when something triggers or switches and the narcissistic yeah. part comes out is when it's really nightmarish exactly yes and 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 it's it's hard to separate <laughs> like because yeah. you when you're dealing with it you're like this person is now the enemy yeah because yeah. now that you like you yeah. know mm-hmm. yeah and so you think okay you see red all the time you see danger all the time yeah. but then there's parts of you that's like oh okay yeah I see parts where they're kind of like not that way. And that's the way. Yeah. And so that's a great point. That's a great point because I was that way in my mind. I'm like, you know, yeah, stay away, stay away. But then there's those times when they're so loving and they're yeah. so, and so, and, and that's what kind of makes it confusing. It is confusing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the intimidation. Um, did yeah. you want me to talk about that? So, yeah, great. so the intimidation is like what they use to inflict like the fear, the, um, they want you to conform to their demands because the goal is to stay in control. They want to be in control. They want to stay in control. So the ways that they they inflict fear, if they're um, over grandiose type, there are certain things that they would do, like they'll stand over you or they'll get in your face. And I mean, nose to nose. They will, you know, mm. throw things. They will punch things. Physical intimidation. Physical intimidation. Or verbally, if they're, you know, the over grandiose type, they will say things like, oh, I'll make you pay. Mm-hmm. Or you're, you'll, you won't have anything if you leave me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the covert is more like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. You know, so it's- Very manipulative language. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's threatening. It's, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, I, I feel as though the, the victim of the narcissistic abuse really becomes a shell of themselves. A lot of self-doubt, lack of self-esteem. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially if you were 
someone who on like on the outside, let's say, you know, outside of the, the, the control or outside of the presence of the narcissist, other people might see you as a strong person. Yeah. 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 So then that there's so much shame, you know, attached to that. You're like, wait a minute. Like I'm the strong one. I'm the one that survived this. I'm the one that's gone, you know, and I'm just like, you know, there people call me for advice. I'm the, you know, everyone says you're so strong. You're so strong. And I'm in this situation where it's like, I don't, I don't feel strong. I, and I don't want to tell anybody. Yeah. And it's over time. Like the chipping away is like, yes, yes. Over time. They, they, and, and they, and you know, it's a, with them, it's a cycle. It's, you know, they love bomb you. They devalue, discard you, love bomb you. The the cycle always has to happen this way. That's, that's where. Love bond you, discard you. Yes. Wow. Love bond, discard, love bond, discard. Yeah. 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 And also just like, right, like all of us are biologically looking to connect. It's like, it's just mm-hmm. like we need water and air, like right. it's an innate thing we need. And so when you get those like glimpses that feel like the love bond, yeah, you're waiting for that next high, right? And, it, and that's probably how it can feel. Like you're just on this right. roller coaster and it can be addictive and, and kind of probably like seductive right? in terms of yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm going to pop to one question because I think it kind of trails into what we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Like why people stay with narcissists? I feel like that that um, love bombing, mm-hmm. devaluing, discarding that cycle. Mm-hmm. Anytime you the narcissist feels like there is a distance, mm-hmm. that you know, or and if, let me not say there's a dis. Well, they'll feel the mm-hmm. distance, mm-hmm. but to them, it's like I'm losing power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you are feeling like okay I've got to get out of here they go back in and they love on you so they'll do things that will like things that they, you'll, you'll you're like wait a minute like for example if they're if they're frugal if they're the cheap type all of a sudden they'll buy you an expensive gift mm-hmm. or they'll take all of a sudden they remember all the things that they did wrong and they're going to do right right now like today all of a sudden, everything you felt like was went over their heads. They now can like spit back at you, like a darn, you know those receipts at CVS. You know how they, <laughs> or like the deli counter ticket. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, That's and so you're like, okay, I'll try again. I'll try again. Yeah, yeah. And you, you're like, okay, I was heard, and you know they do see me, and I'm not you know, I do have, you know, they did hear me and they are going to try and they'll, and, and, and cause they know how to get you back. They know, they just know how to get your defenses down. And if they isolate you, cause normally they're going to try to do that. They'll isolate you. So whether from it's friends and family, yeah, from friends and family, um, they, you know, they're, if you don't have anybody around you that you can go to for support that has like some that's grounded, you know, what, where are you really going to go? Right. Right. Especially if you're living with this person, especially, especially. If you're financially dependent on this person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the, and they usually try to get you that there in the beginning. So if it's, you know, um, if it's a parent, they will find a reason for you to stay home instead of going to college, going away from them. They'll come up. Some of them will fake being sick. That's a good point. It's not always a romantic relationship, right? Like yeah. I think 
I'm thinking me like mostly, but yeah, like I always do too. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It can be be friend. It can be sibling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, But in the romantic relationships, they try to get you to move in with them. They'll try to get you to quit your job or career, especially if you're doing really well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're like, you know what? You don't have to worry about anything. Mm -hmm. I've got you. Mm-hmm. 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 And right. then and as soon as they do that, um, one that's the gaslighting. Mm-hmm. They'll tar- they'll call you a gold digger or they'll call you all these names after they promised all these things. And then you, you know, you now are holding them accountable to these things. You're not a gold digger. You're a, you know, you're using them and you just want them for their money. And, and that's when the fallout starts. That's when the fallout yeah. starts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's volatile. It's, you know, it's verbal. It's mm-hmm. dating, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Um, you were touching on this slightly, the intersection between trauma and personality disorders. Um, and you had used this word that I really liked earlier. You said that narcissists have, have they have a hole. They have a hole in their heart. They have a hole in their soul. Um, and really, you know, again, and it can be compassionately, like, to be able to say like a narcissist is, is a person that's hurting and that their personality disorder is their defense. It's how they've learned to navigate and operate in this world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is how they've learned to navigate in this world. You know, the narcissist that I know, I've met their parents or learned about their parents mm-hmm. and they were very like, they're, you know, avoidance. They had like this avoidant type behavior. Um, mm-hmm. They were, you know, had these high standards. Like for mm-hmm. for one of the ones that I know personally, you know, he was held to a high standard and his mm-hmm. family all, you know, he was the youngest mm-hmm. of like four and all the, all the siblings before him had these, created these standards, obviously initially based on the parent, but they've already set, met the standard. And mm-hmm. so this child is like, okay, um, you know, you have these standards that you have to meet and you know, the, the, the love is transactional here. Mm-hmm. You meet these standards, you, we show you what this perception of love. And then there's the others that are like the golden child. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing, like can't do any wrong and they're treated a certain way and they now you know, like all through childhood and then into adulthood, adulthood, they expect that type of treatment. And for others and communities to, to show up in that same way. Yeah. Yeah. And also what you're talking about are attachment wounds. Like if you operated in a family system or in relation to your primary caregivers, such that emotional needs were not met, Mm -hmm. you're going to go on to play this out in a lot of relationships. And again, like just this intersection of like, as a child, when you go through adversity and stress, you grasp at ways to function in your environment or within your relationships in order to survive, right? Yeah. That's what we know as children. Like I need water, I need food, I need shelter, I need connection, I need safety. Mm-hmm. I need to be protected by the people that are supposed to love and care for me. But if that's not being shown in you know the most adaptive ways, individuals are going to learn to operate in certain ways to get those needs met, typically emotional. Um, And and that can look, you know, like volatile behavior or manipulative behavior. Um, And like you were saying earlier, it really is just about this deep wounding, this deep insecurity, this very 
um, poor functioning of the ego and just kind of this like exiled shadow part, um, you know, that, that the narcissists really have and, and that, that most individuals who struggle with personality disorders um, have, that's, you know, typically the origin. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say something. And as I said, go ahead. It, <laughs> I want to talk about like um, borderline personality, that personality yes. complex PTSD. Yes. Um, and I was thinking about something and it kind of escaped me. Part of it was just like the, the, how, like when we talk about like that, that deep rooted need as a child to mm-hmm. like the survival mechanisms and the protective parts and the things that we're using mm-hmm. to just make it to, you know, our next phase of life. Um, and then the, the, that comparing to like the, like people who grew up with trauma and like the consistent, the consistent, um, abuse yeah, where you trauma. Yeah. yeah. And you like, you, you, you always feel like, you know, you're in survival mode at mm-hmm. all times. And, and for me, I grew up in a very volatile, mm-hmm. uh, household, you know, and the way I survived is I honestly, a lot of it was disassociating, disconnecting. Mm-hmm. That was your I, mechanism. Yeah, that was my, that's my body said, hey, go here. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's why, you know, I use a lot of this, like I, I used art, whatever. Yes. And I leave, I would leave my home as much as I could. I knew that I would, you know, I would, what I would come home to when I got back. And yeah. so I stayed out as long as possible. And my therapist tells me, he's like, you know, you call yourself a risk taker, but I see you as also like, like an adventure seeker. Like you, you, although you knew what was going to happen when you got home, when you said you were going to a library and it's now midnight and the library shut, you know, shuts down at 8 PM, it's midnight and you're still not home. You know that you're just going to get everything that you can get. That's going to bring you, cause that's what I'm going to use. And I'm going to go to. So when I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing, I can go, I can draw to that, use that resource so I can survive the next few nights of, then yeah. And, 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 and just like your adaptation was to disassociate and disconnect, the narcissist was to try and fill its void in these ways. Yeah. And, and, you know, the borderlines is to have the chaos and the drama and. Yeah. And, 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 you know, then there's the intersection also of addiction, you know, like all, all, I think all of us have our, our ways of how we, how we've tried to cope with, you know, our histories. Very true. Yeah. Um, how about any tips for our listeners, um, who may currently be in relation to a narcissist, um, maybe like, like best ways to start to identify or to start to separate. So one of the things I, when I think about that question it's so hard because there's so many different scenarios but mm-hmm. again they they all fall under this certain categories and i think about just one you know trusting your gut for real mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things that i didn't do and mm-hmm. i didn't i it i found myself in narcissistic relationships in my workplace friendships intimate relationships i mean it was and I, I didn't realize, you know, like when those times where I felt like, oh, this isn't a good idea. I didn't listen because I was too busy trying to please the other person. And I was changing myself for the other person or to be in this space because I didn't feel like I was good enough. So 
Um, just trusting your gut is one. The other thing is just being more kind to yourself, mm-hmm. being more kind to yourself. And, 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 and um, because if we have, to, if you feel like you have to change yourself for somebody, that means that you're, you, you know, you, you don't, you don't really know who you are. Mm-hmm. Having connected with your inner child. Yeah. So you have, there's some rediscovery that needs to happen. And that, that starts with probably doing more things alone, mm-hmm. making decisions on your own. And all these things are hard for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm going on a lot of things. So take and pick whatever work, wherever, in wherever season, wherever situation you're in. The other thing is, you know, if you don't know any of that, who did you, you know, grow up with someone, family member or friend that's grounded and can really, that you may have been disconnected with because of the narcissist isolation practices, but maybe you can reach out to and say, hey, what, do you remember like things about me? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what did I used to do? Or what mm-hmm. did I you know, let, or just have a conversation with them. And, and maybe there be a support system for you as well to help you because that's the hardest thing to find is somebody that understands some people are in the stage where they don't even know what that is what you're talking about and they may be experiencing it themselves but they're like in a denial state or they're just like you know what I mean and so really triggered yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so it's like Mm -hmm. if you can find that if not if you can afford a therapist Mm -hmm. I mean, therapy was one of the things that really saved me. And I had to teach my therapist about narcissism, which I was like, what? Because a lot of the things I would bring to him, he was like, I was like telling him things and he was like, yeah, that could be it. When I would tell him, hey, you know, every time so-and-so came in the house, they always cleaned up. That's the first thing they did. And I used to always get upset and I didn't know why I was upset. And I was like telling him and, and he was like, and he's asking me questions. And for some reason, I always left that story. It felt like there wasn't, there was still an opening. There was something that wasn't solved. Mm-hmm. Thought about it. And I started learning about narcissism and gaslighting and manipulation to it. I was like, oh my gosh, this was a way of him. You know, um, this was a form of gaslighting. He would tell me that he's not trying to clean, like to make me feel bad. This is when I was a new mom, clean, not make me feel bad. He was just trying to help me. But if this is the first thing you do every time you come home, that is that doesn't feel good especially if I've expressed it to you so I had to go back and tell my therapist like I apologize to him but I was should not have apologized to him he was wrong he's this is what he was doing and he was like oh my god you know it was it was but it was just like you know when you trust your gut and you just like I know that this is what's happening Mm -hmm. this is where you know this is where you need to find that support where somebody that can you know that believes you can you know what I mean because with you in it yeah yes yes yeah Um, Yeah. and then the other thing I recommend is writing journaling Mm -hmm. um if it's hard for you in the beginning I would say to do voice notes because voice notes is my jam because sometimes my hand gets tired or I'm I'm thinking faster than I'm writing and it's just not working I'm laughing because I'm thinking of the voice that I sent you on Instagram. I was like, she's either going to think I'm crazy or not, but I love voice notes too. <laughs> oh, I love voice notes. And I'm surprised I didn't send you voice notes before. If I, if I did, I think I did a long time ago, but easier. I'm like, I'm always responding to people's voice notes because it's faster and you can hear and you just, yeah. it's like a way of connecting with totally. voice. 
And I feel like, you know, when you're leaving, like, even if it's a voice note about a situation that happened, whether with a, you know, a boss or parent, you know, significant other, whatever the case, a friend, you know, that you have the feelings, you can feel, you can hear all of what you're going through and you can just be able to just get it all out because those emotions need, you know, and um, yeah, that helps you recount situations that's happening, but also remind you, you know, hey, this is real. This is what's happening. And, and kind of see how you're growing through this process. And in hopes that, you know, if you have a way of getting out, you know, start forming an exit plan and get out. If not, there's got to be a way to start managing your space and creating, you know, the boundaries, the, the needs, which I like how they put, some people put that, like your boundaries or your needs. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I know it's a lot of stuff. And, and also that like those boundaries are for you. Like for you. Doesn't doesn't matter if people like them or not. <laughs> it's okay. none of your no. It's absolutely it's none of it. Yeah. Because these are your needs. Those boundaries are for your needs. And yeah. you you need to, you know, stand firm, rooted, like planted like a flower. That's what my basketball coach used to always say. It's like you need to you need to be planted like a flower when you're trying to get that rebound. All right. I feel like that analogy will carry through so many <laughs> chapters. Yes, absolutely. Um, and to round us out, do you think narcissists can heal? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Because for me, like they have to go seek it first. And that's right. one of the things that they don't do. So I... I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I, I'm, say it again. There has to be like a huge level of awareness. Yes, absolutely. You know, like you, you have, the awareness is the biggest thing. Like, yeah. 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 Um, I'm hopeful, you know, but I'm, 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 I say, I don't know, but I'm gearing towards on the, the right side of no. <laughs> <laughs> the 60 percent the, the other day and I was like I'm worried about the guy you're like how are you feeling I'm like I'm worried about the guy <laughs> you're like, right like what was it it's like are you hopeful or are you, are you like hopeful are you or joyful yeah. and I'm, like, I'm hopeless for the guy I'm like, I can't be the only person that thought that you are and I'm like <laughs> I haven't I, I haven't circled back to that post but I will because it's so funny so many people have messaged me about like I'm like you guys, it's, <laughs> it was the funniest thing because it was such a like a sentimental. You're like, I'm worried for the guy. <laughs> I laughed so freaking hard. That was hysterical. That was hysterical. I so appreciate you making the time. Um, this was such a great and insightful podcast. I know everyone will be really excited to listen. Yay, yeah. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to um, hear it also. Yeah. And I appreciate this. This is fun. This is this was so much fun. We had some but good giggles. <laughs> it did. It did. Next time on A Therapist Tales, please join me and Christina McDermott, LCSW. Um, we will be talking about ways to cope when the holidays are not all holly and jolly. And our closing quote is from Jill Blakeway. When a toxic person can no longer control you, they will try to control how others see you. The misinformation will feel unfair, but stay above it trusting that other people will eventually see the truth just like you did. Thanks, Samantha. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Jacqueline. I appreciate it. I had so much fun with you. I mean, it wasn't like the best of topics, but it's definitely needed. <laughs>
super important. Super important. Absolutely.